Hi there. If you're listening to this, this message is specifically for you. Thank you for listening to the call. I'm Sharan and I co-host this with Sudeep. We've been at it for some time and we really want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for listening to us and making us reach thus far. And we'd love to know a lot more about you and what you would like to hear from us. And hence, please take just 2 minutes of your time and fill this form. The links are in the comments or in the show notes. It will help us recognize who you are and also get your expectations so that we can craft the podcast content to satisfy those expectations. Welcome to Cobb Conversations on the Business of Brands with Sudeep Chabla and Sharvan Raghavan. Sudeep, with so much of the work that you discuss, saying hiring agencies, firing agencies, and managing stakeholders, what does a marketing team inside a company do? Let's talk about that today. <laughs> now that you're you've skipped to the other side, you now are doubting what the marketing team does, is it? <laughs> that's that's the only point where I, I wedge myself into all the organizations that I work with. <laughs> hmm. Okay, no, no, fair. Like we have said in the past, that uh, the job of a marketing team largely is to, you know, build conviction, sell conviction, etc. and i think in one of the previous episodes we also spoke about branding and marketing and the steps involved there so maybe what we can do today is to you know get into uh, discussing uh, what are the key things that marketing teams do themselves if they do if they do or rather i how i put it is what they lead okay and where do they follow okay yeah. so it's All, looking together yes almost always i don't think there are many things that anybody any of these guys does all alone okay uh, so therefore we can discuss what do they insource and what mm. do they outsource mm-hmm. fair enough so yeah. is that as usual would you have a thumb rule of what you insource and what you outsource there is one uh, or as i call it a principle i think the principle possibly is and this is not just relevant to marketing teams but also to maybe uh, anybody who is building their business you know when we start off we are doing everything that is needed for the business right slowly but steadily we realize our plates are full and then uh, we are not able to do what we really want to do and hence i think even if you don't act on it right away uh, any marketer or any business guy should have clarity on possibly one or two things first hmm. is uh what is your core competency as in the business the business right what are you in the business of hmm right for example if i were to ask people what does pvr do hmm they will say pvr hosts movies but i believe the core competency of pvr is real estate hmm yeah uh, movies anyways uh, you know people come and sell to them there are very pvr might decide how many screens it will take how many screens it won't but one of the most critical determinants of long term success of pvr 
is real estate or their location which determines what is the kind of footfall they will continue to get regardless of the movie that they host mm, it's basically in the retail business it's in the retail business so you similarly people say mcdonald's is also in retail business right yeah? because everything else they have standardized right, right? so therefore you know it it needs to be clear to the founder or the marketing team what is their core competency mm-hmm. and number 2 because all of us are business guys we have to make money for the business mm-hmm. we have to be clear about what is cheaper to do outside you know there will be things which you want to do mm-hmm. but doing it those are not your core competency so therefore technically you should outsource them mm-hmm. but you might realize for a certain period of time it is cheaper for you to do it rather than giving it outside are you saying cheaper and expensive on a on a cost money basis on multiple things you know if you are a founder and you possibly have a background in for example chemistry but you are passionate about creating a household cleaners brand hmm. in a, in fmcg space since you know chemistry well you know that you will be able to work on your own formulations and get them to the level of effectiveness etc that you really want to get to right even if for a household cleaners brand frankly the product itself is very very small cost yeah hmm. the biggest cost or the biggest determinant of success will be how are you able to differentiate yourself in consumers mind right and in that category I deliberately took the name of that category because the category is fairly crowded Mm-hmm. and uh, very little product differentiation has been attempted or is possible right but there is significant amount of branding or positioning differentiation that has been attempted and done right now your core therefore for that company might be distribution and branding mm. but since you already have a background in chemistry and you possibly think that you will be able to mentor one or two people and you will be able to create your chemistries on your own you might not outsource that mm. yeah uh, for somebody who might be wanting to create a fmcg brand in cleaner space who doesn't have any background there mm-hmm. might still outsource uh, you know chemistry creation to some kind of a lab mm-hmm. to which they give a brief and receive a product etc etc yeah okay you know first consideration is about what is your core competency mm-hmm. second is simply a business consideration let me give you another example if you are a conglomerate Uh, when i was reading through adani buying over acc ambuja etc they visualize this deal as something where they will be able to bring significant amount of efficiencies because of other group companies that they have yeah like in adani electricity now the biggest component in cement is usually your electricity or the cost of transportation these are the only two things manufacturing isn't right Uh, on transportation they believe that using their ports hmm. yeah and other transportation uh, efficiencies that they have they'll be able to make money and electricity is something where they'll be able to save significantly because they have a transmission company or a electricity generation company a perfect yeah? example of the sum being greater than the parts correct hmm. correct and hence you know they would therefore insource some of these things because mm-hmm. it is definitely cheaper to do it inside than outside right yeah for a cement company otherwise the product is not as different but the key is in branding and distribution hmm. yeah and possibly the kind of work that you do with contractors etc yeah hmm. so that becomes your core competency yeah. right 
there aren't outsourced cement plants available but it is an industry which possibly is ripe for that hmm. uh, because this is an industry that works on making cement closer to the consumption hmm. and therefore giving the lowest possible cost to the consumer right and hence if you are somebody who is looking as an entrepreneur who is looking to do do this you can possibly think about setting up some plants which can be outsourced to some of these companies but coming back to what i was saying earlier to your question on principle what is your core competency mm-hmm. and number 2 business wise or economics wise what seems to be cheaper to do inside efficiency at least, at least as of now right got it i think you put it very beautifully and you also sidestep the main question uh huh of what are the marketers doing today because you're now a business <laughs> leader that. right i'm going so, to that let me make it even sharper huh. walk me through the processes or the steps that are there in marketing today huh. and which of those steps can be insourced and what can be outsourced okay so i think uh, today's rant of yours is reserved for marketers it is amply clear to me into this is completely listeners. your episode <laughs> i'm just the color here <laughs> okay let's get to marketing then yeah right. from a marketing point of view you might remember we one of our i think first few episodes was about uh, branding before marketing we defined branding as something where which is a sum total of all the promises that you make to a consumer hmm. and marketing as the task of taking those promises to your consumer so if we follow the same thought uh, you will first do branding and therefore you will do some pre work around you know understanding your consumers understanding your competitors understanding some of the need gaps understanding what your consumers are doing about those needs gaps today mm-hmm. who are you substituting what do your competitors bring on the table etc so right. garnering some amount of market intelligence and consumer intelligence mm-hmm. basis that and basis your own product truth you articulate your proposition why do you exist why should the consum- consumer consider you in their life then you create a consumer bundle for your product or your service the reason i say it bundle sharan is that sometimes you will create the product uh, after you feel the need right sometimes you will always already have a product but you will build the communication packaging and paraphernalia around it right after you understand what need it needs to satisfy retrofitting it yeah yeah retrofitting it so no. you you construct a bundle you don't sell a product you don't sell a service you always sell a bundle i think in one of our recent episodes we mentioned very clearly yeah. whether you are in the business of service or product yeah you are only in the business of experience correct correct so that experience is what i'm terming as bundle yeah absolutely so after this third one as you were explaining in one of the first one of the episodes earlier about various stages of fmcg right we said that then you go into your long queue Hmm. where you you know tend to take your product to people uh, you experience your product market fit etc etc so there is those early activation right yeah? alongside that and before you decide to go for your marketing uh, you have to choose which channels you would use to influence your target segment right okay where where does your target segment exist what do they read what do they see etc channel of sale channel of communication channel of communication got yeah. it okay channel of sale you would have already figured out because you've yeah. done your pmf etc right depending on what channel you are using you craft your message mm-hmm. uh, because your proposition is already crafted so you're only crafting your message and the reason i choose channel before the message is sometimes the message 
or its articulation changes by the channel that you use. Ah, that's a very good point, actually. Yes. Yeah. A lot of us make the mistake of creating the message and then force fitting it into every channel of communication. Correct. Good point. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. So therefore, you craft the message. Then becomes the task of riding those channels to make your message reach. Then the last point possibly will be then you collect feedback. Hmm. Feedback on product or service. Feedback on your articulation. Feedback on the channel or the media. And then you you know close loop it to make sure that you are able to make improvements for the next round. Got it. Yeah. So this is broadly what a marketing team keeps doing. Okay. Over and over again. Okay. And yeah. all of these are done in-house? No, of course not. Be. Okay. Of course not. So if, uh, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners are from core FMCG, mm-hmm. but purely from an FMCG point of view, task one to three, hmm. which is uh, branding pre-work, hmm. gaining market intelligence, consumer intelligence, articulating your proposition, creating product or a service bundle. Yeah. And task number seven, which is, you know, getting all the feedbacks and close looping it. Hmm. These are usually led by the marketing team. Okay. Uh, and obviously, they have their creative partners, planning partners, media partners alongside them. Uh, then task four to six, which is choosing the channels, crafting messaging for the targeted channel. And then, you know, riding the channels to make the messaging reach, really doing the media. Mm-hmm. These are the ones which are usually outsourced to the agency. Mm-hmm. And the agency leads and the marketing team follows. So, you're saying... The pre-work of the brand, articulating the proposition, creating the product or the service bundle, Hmm. and the job of getting feedback. These are the four elements of the seven, which will be led by the in-house marketing team. Yeah. Why is that? You know, it goes back to my previous point Hmm. to say that uh, most of these are core to what you do. Right. Yeah. When you're selling your experience to your consumers. Hmm you are selling that product or a service bundle that you created Mm -hmm. and you are selling your proposition to the consumer. Fair enough. It has to come from the core of the business. Yes. And hence, those are the things that you would definitely like to own. Hmm. But what I've realized over a period of time is that you need to own, but you need to just lead. Hmm. Yeah, You don't insulate or isolate your agency from it. The downside there is that uh, marketers have, you know, age within the organization. Right. Marketing team come and go. So therefore, yeah, agencies stay and the business owners stay. Right. And hence, you will see them, you know, being involved so that, you know, all the knowledge that was accumulated during this process that is uh, within the system. And is utilized by marketing teams that come later. Right. Choosing the channel, crafting the message and yeah. and writing the channels to reach the message. Yeah. These three are led by the agency. Correct. Now, why is that? Shouldn't the choice of channel and message also be core to what the business is doing? See, while these are also essential for delivery of your message mm-hmm. and thereby brings in dollars or rupees to the company. The fact is that uh, this will require you to know your consumer side as well as your media data very well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And for that, you hire specific agencies who own that, uh, you know, media landscape, who are able to bring in learning from other categories 
that are possibly targeting a similar consumer to yours mm -hmm. and hence you get advantage of their the knowledge that they have accumulated over a period of time Got yeah Got and it. since the consumer segment and their media habits are not owned by you they are owned by the consumer and the industry and hence you go to industry experts to get it. Right. Yeah. Similarly, from a crafting the message perspective, it gets into the creative domain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you therefore you get the best possible people to craft it for you. Yeah. Fair enough. And right. finally, the last one riding the channels is about media buying. I remember uh, there was a time where most of the FMCG companies used to have a media guy hmm. in house yeah. who used to talk to channels and buy media. Yeah. 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 And uh, media agency cost or commission used to be a big component of the cost that they used to incur. Right. And I think slowly but steadily companies realize that, uh, you know, having a specialist media buying company is always better because they bring in the latest knowledge and they also give you efficiencies of scale. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think that evolution almost everybody has seen. Right. Right. So, uh, this is what I described as a traditional FMCG, Sharon. Thank you for listening to Cobb. Conversations on the business of brands with Sudeep Chavla and Sharvana Raghavan. Subscribe and learn more at cobcast.net. That's C-O-B-B-C-A-S-T dot net. With the emergence of D2C, sticking to FMCG, yeah. with the emergence of D2C and basically e-commerce, how does this change? Does it change the dynamics of what you own? Because the core of what the business is about is today very different. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, for a lot of the e-commerce you know, players now, either the product is in digital form or the product reaches via the digital channel while the first three obviously remains with them at an early stage till you are you know still getting adopted by your critical stage of consumers critical mass of consumers mm -hmm. you know that you are only going to work on digital yeah, yeah all d2c companies usually start with digital only right right so right. therefore the choice of channel is already made negated that's the only choice yeah, that's the only choice. Now, right. you have aggregators like Google, Facebook, etc. available. Mm -hmm. uh, that allows you to get knowledge of mediums within that channel mm -hmm. or platforms within that channel, which will best serve your consumers. What we have seen now is that even step number four, choosing the channel becomes insourced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And even just step number six, which is riding the channel, running the campaign, etc. Right. Becomes insourced. Uh, because now you have su sufficient capability in-house to be able to run the campaigns specifically because Google, Facebook have made it very easy mm. for anybody to run campaigns on their platforms. Right. And I also think the core to these businesses, the new age digital first businesses is that yeah. their core competency also is yeah. the ability to communicate on the digital medium and get things moving. Yeah, uh, communicate, work on plans, drive efficiencies on a daily basis, right. make changes, do alpha and beta experiments, etc, etc. Uh, of course, when the D2C brands start becoming bigger, mm -hmm. 
when you start having multiple brands or multiple product lines or when you start going beyond digital mm-hmm. uh, once you've saturated possibly your adoption mechanism there that is when you start looking at other avenues which is about outsourcing some of these things again so when, you, when the priority becomes scale yeah you start focusing on on the other other issues and outsource what yeah. you build in house okay yeah and again the scale because uh, the scale brings its own set of complexities right right uh, and that is when you want to get advantage of economies of scale hmm. right so you go to bigger players who are able to buy better who are able to source better who are able to predict better etc right so i get that and it makes perfect sense yeah but what do you make of these companies that insource even the creative hmm into their core yeah that's an interesting one actually and a number of uh, startups also have a production in house or in yeah, yeah. creative so agency zomato have it for sure yes mm-hmm. yes yeah so now zomato for sure keeps doing a lot of creative work yeah right. now some let's just look at that creative work into two parts okay yeah uh, or rather three parts i would say one part which is specifically used for performance marketing Okay. Yeah, because you are trying to attract a lot of people digitally you are also talking to high intent consumers and mm-hmm. high intent consumers therefore will need to be shown something which kind of completes their journey right right so therefore uh, there is performance marketing creatives that are needed yeah now again because like you said uh, most of these companies have competency there those are usually insourced by the companies mm-hmm. yeah the second part is uh, what you call as equity building creatives mm-hmm. yeah your master creatives as zomato versus zomato creative yep. etc that they do that's the second part the third part is something which you know which i call as salience building creatives yeah which is what for example zomato keeps doing in terms of its notifications or social mm-hmm. media posts etc etc mm-hmm. right because engaging with the consumers keeping the conversation open etc has now become a norm for the brands and hence in you you can't be a brand which just you know uh, creates one communication a year and gets done with it hmm. you are communicating with your consumers continuously the volume of creatives is high is very high you know so the, so there are for uh, the three kind of creatives we spoke about is the performance marketing creative the hmm. salience creative that you keep doing throughout the year and then there is the equity creative right, right? and hence uh, you know when you look at some of these companies they have insourced all three of them a lot of them might have insourced at least the first two uh, there is a merit in doing it because the core to a company for example for a zomato mm-hmm. or zomato as you call it <laughs> you might call it <laughs> uh, when you look at them versus swiggy the offering isn't differentiated right yeah it's the same offering uh, it's the same service uh, they might have a zomato gold and swiggy might have something else etc etc but by and large people like you and me derive the same amount of benefits from both right and hence the differentiation is about how well are you able to engage with the consumers hmm. and usually what is the first app that they go to what what comes to their mind first right so it's a game of association mental association right mm-hmm. and hence for them uh, possibly the salience creatives are very very critical okay yeah 
it almost becomes like a core competency to them yeah which one can you think of first yeah which one can you think of first it becomes core competency only after they have uh, satiated their first core competency which is operational excellence right of course you have to be operationally excellent otherwise the consumers will not give you a second chance so right. therefore let's give credit to those teams that they've done that work very very well mm-hmm. now they are able to differentiate themselves on the kind of association that they've built with their consumers and hence salience creatives becomes one of the core competencies that they need to work into right yeah? this is almost akin to uh, sharin the uh, example that i had taken for kindejoy earlier mm-hmm. where kindejoy over a period of time realized that toys have become an integral part of their yeah offering right. and hence they bought over the toy company and had uh, had insourced mpg magic production group right right so uh, and the point i want to drive here is that you need to keep reevaluating your core competency at every stage of the business you might realize that what was core competency earlier either ceases to remain so mm-hmm. or is not sufficient right or hence can we you, call the core competency as the core business offering i would say that your uh, business offering again uh, sharan possibly will be a compounded uh, product mm-hmm. of various things that you do fair enough right yeah so therefore uh, now like we were saying uh, your business offering of pvr possibly is not real estate mm-hmm. but the competency is real estate what gives you strategic advantage long term strategic advantage is your core competency perfect yeah uh so therefore uh, like we were talking in case of zomato hmm. uh so therefore salience creatives is something which is salience creatives and performance creatives very critical right and hence it makes sense for them to insource it now yep now once they have built that capability possibly they also believe that they'll be able to do their uh, equity creatives also right yeah and there's no harm in trying that out there's no harm in being on that run mm mm-hmm. my belief however is that uh, one needs to look at this holistically mm. uh, because a lot of the time we say that when we go outside we pay the agency fee we work with directors we work we work with production houses and hence we pay end up paying a lot more mm. yeah uh, when i look at a business uh, we should also look at our costs holistically okay yeah? uh, for ex- yeah for example when i say holistic cost Hmm. uh the fact that you want to build a certain quality of creative talent in house hmm. yeah means that you need a certain quality of talent which will be different from the rest of your company the kind of talent you hire will have to be drastically different drastically different and hence you know you need to build that capability to hire that kind of talent hmm. yeah it takes cost and money to retain to build that capability Right. you will have leaders you will have hr who will be able to judge them very very well you will develop processes where you are able to judge them very well mm-hmm. now you will pay money to retain those hr retain those people also look at what is the competitive set for those people now they are not likely to move between swiggy and zomato they they are likely to move between a creative agency and a zomato mm-hmm. yeah now if you evaluate yourself against a creative agency you have advantages you have disadvantages a creative agency always keeps them fresh because they work on multiple brands right they get different kinds of brief they seep into different kind of target segments and hence you know they remain fresh they remain relevant also the career path is very clear and traditional right correct 
Now, in this one, you might be able to create a career path to a certain extent. Point. Yeah. So that's the first cost, which mm-hmm. is the cost of building talent and and uh, you know uh, retaining it. Building, managing, retaining talent yeah. is a specific cost you incur. Okay. The second is opportunity cost of doing this. Okay. If you're doing this, if the leadership team, if the business owner is spending time, if the CMO is spending time on this, mm-hmm. which means that he or she is not spending time on something else, mm-hmm. which could have brought, you know, advantage to them in terms of strengthening their core competency. Yeah. Okay. When okay. you're doing something, you have to recognize that you're not doing something else. But wouldn't it be very similar for the CMO, the way they work with a external agency? Wouldn't it be the same? No, I'm saying the time that they spend on uh, building talent, attracting talent, mm. retaining talent, etc. Right. Uh, all of that. Working out processes, etc., etc. All it. of that is an opportunity cost. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you could have spent it on your marketing team or anything else. Again, I'm not saying that this is the right or wrong, but these are the considerations you must have. Right. right? Now, the third piece is that for uh, every company works on capability development for people within the organization. Right. They want people to be developed. They want people to be updated, etc. Now, same thing. What mm-hmm. works as a capability development for bulk of your team, which is operations and marketing, doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. So for this Absolutely. workforce, mm-hmm. you work separately on investing uh, time, money, attention on developing capability and tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that becomes another cost, which possibly, uh, you know, doesn't get accounted. Last but not the least is the culture, Sharon. Hmm. Yeah, each one of these uh, professional tribes thrives in a certain kind of culture. Right. Yeah, Uh, that culture allows them to work in their best possible manner, uh, allows them to express themselves well, etc., etc. So therefore, that also becomes very difficult. Hmm. amalgamating a culture of so many different kind of professions in in itself is a challenge Hmm. yeah Uh, so all of those are costs right and need to be considered uh, before we decide to insource uh, something which requires a dramatically different mechanism to produce Hmm. fair enough I get it what you're saying is while people are insourcing a lot of the creative jobs, there are external costs that you have to look at holistically to understand whether it's actually being, if if there is actually a cost benefit to all of this. Yeah. I get that. It, and, it's, and it's a very, very fair point you're saying. But I want to ask a, another question, mm-hmm. a hypothetical one. Mm-hmm. Until the e-commerce and the digital businesses came along in the last 10 to 15 years, mm-hmm. FMCG brands were advertising the most and that's why even cereals were called soaps because that's where it all started yeah so why didn't fmcg businesses here in source creative for the for the volume of content they were churning out see i don't number one i don't think the volume was so high hmm. yeah the kind of volume needed to keep a brand salient on social media where the consumer is completely stuck to the screen the entire day Mm-hmm. is very different from kind of volume of content that you needed for TV, where mm-hmm. the consumer spends a limited amount of time. Yeah, The avenues of communications were limited. Yeah. Now the avenues of communication have exploded. So you are there for, you know, for a brand which is possibly youthful, mm-hmm. wants to be on Insta, Snapchat, Facebook, 
all at the same time and within that you are doing a post you are doing a reel etc etc so therefore uh, it is the explosion of communication channels as well as creative formats got got yeah? got so therefore you know not only are you churning propositions but each of those propositions is getting turned into creatives and creative formats hmm. uh, to service all of these right right uh, i think that's why you know a lot of the creative has uh, is started getting produced and hence this whole thing about insourcing etc has started coming about right and would it possibly be a legacy thing that fmcg companies and brands have always used agencies and the agencies have worked on the brands more than the marketers have and therefore even when the volume has increased for the output they have continued to function with an outsourced agency on the creative side Uh, maybe possibly i would still you know go back to the media example that we spoke about mm-hmm. yeah uh, so the uh, and you know let's cut it into two parts your question comes more from a planning and a creative agency point of view right the media we understand you mm-hmm. know once the company start realizing that the volume of media that they are consuming is sufficiently high they knew that they had to go out right, right. now from a creative point of view uh once you start partnering with a marketing agency or a creative agency uh, one advantage that you get obviously is uh you know the legacy of brand that you build with them right so therefore you are preserving the entire legacy for your posterity the whole thinking process etc as the marketing teams change the agency should keep that cons- consistent mm-hmm. number two you also go to them because uh, an agency brings along a fairly fresh and a neutral perspective Mm. yeah an agency is viewing the same consumer from different point of views right uh, the same agency works on a chocolate and a soap and a hair oil uh, and hence they have seen the same consumer from different point of views mm. yeah they have articulated the same need the need for validation for example in so many different ways mm. that i think they they are able to add significant value to the process yeah got it so you derive efficiencies out of that also and the presence of an agency presence of somebody who has had this kind of a multifaceted experience hmm. allows you to short circuit the process hmm. yeah you don't have to struggle with all the discoveries on your own there are discoveries that have already been made and you get to experience them if you work with some of these agencies right and i have one final question yep goes back to the first one though hmm let's keep the marketers out of this just yeah. so i get an honest answer from you yeah so let's say i'm starting a business today a brand an fmcg brand uh-huh i have a person who can make it i have an agency who can who can do the creatives i've tied up with a distribution partner and most of these partners and ask any agency they'll tell you as long as the marketers don't interfere with my job my job will be good hmm so can a brand be built just by aggregating these services without a brand manager or marketer's input hmm okay so your question had an accusation and a question <laughs> let me address the accusation first the accusation was that you will get an honest answer if i if you don't get marketers into this <laughs> right let me summarily reject the supposition that is hidden in this accusation now to your question uh i think as long as you have the right kind of partners you can get the right uh, quality of output of course from each one of them 
एंड विद ऑल दोज राइट आउटपुट्स पुट टूगेदर यू विल बी एबल टू क्रिएट अ कंपेलिंग बंडल दे इज नो डाउट अबाउट दैट राइट माई कोर बिलीफ इज दैट इवन इफ यू डोंट हैव अ मार्केट एयर देन यू योर सेल्फ एज अ स्टार्टअप ओनर आर डूइंग द जॉब ऑफ अ मार्केट एयर यू आर एग्रीगेटिंग वट एवर कम्स अबाउट फ्रॉम ऑल ऑफ दीज पार्टनर्स दैट यू हैव and then you are making sure you are keep you, because you are keeping the conscious of the brand hmm. you own the conscious of the brand you are the final authority in saying yes or no towards various kind of outputs that will come from uh, various agencies right right because somebody needs to live eat sleep the brand hmm. to be able to act as the brand's conscience some right. of these agencies will act as consumer's conscience which is excellent that's how you complement each other but somebody needs to act as a brand conscious now that could be the business owner usually in a lot of the companies it is the business owner but when they realize that they have grown to a significant scale they realize that they can't play just that role again opportunity cost starts coming into play right so it gets handed to the marketers marketers correct hmm. so the brand thinking or the brand conscience is the is the core part which makes the brand which cannot be outsourced correct so the, which is where your first three steps come in right you can't develop a conscious till the time you do your branding pre work hmm. you develop insights and knowledge about your consumers category competition uh you can't do brand pre you can't develop a brand conscious till you have developed your own or you've understood your own proposition very very well and you can't develop a brand conscious till the time you have articulated your own brand bundle or articulated your own brand experience right you want to curate the experience you want to create curate the experience or at least understand the curated one mm-hmm. yeah only then you will be able to live it every day perfect sudeep i think you answered the question brilliantly and you explained how marketers actually bring a lot to the table so mm-hmm. you, you i like how you articulated the seven steps involved in creating taking a brand to the market which is your pre work of the brand understanding the market the consumers the competitors articulating the proposition you're bringing to the consumer creating the product or the service bundle choosing the channel through which you're going to influence your target audience crafting the message for the channel as per the channel that you've chosen then writing the channel to make the messaging reach and the last step which is getting product feedback of this the first three and the last about product feedback should always be insourced while 4 5 and 6 which is the choice of channel the crafting the message and writing the channel are traditionally outsourced and can remain so hmm. and the point with a lot of brands in sourcing the creative work is that it you can look at it as a cost saving exercise because you're you're letting go of all the commissions in between but you when you look at it holistically the opportunity cost and the cost of managing recruiting retaining this talent can actually end up being more than what you would have incurred if this were outsourced yeah I think that's great and the last point you mentioned also brought uh, reminded me of an analogy where the director of the movie really does nothing you can never point out what the director has done in a movie mm. you can't get a cinematographer a set designer a costume designer and an actor just make a film mm. because mm-hmm. it really has mm. to be held in place as an anchor and marketers are probably the directors of the brand story yeah excellent uh, analogy sharan it didn't occur to me but you're very right director just owns the vision of the story right uh, and in fact the story broad stories uh, is held by them 
Hmm. Even the dialogues, etc., are written by the scriptwriter. Absolutely. But the ethos of the story, the sentiment, and everything is owned by the director. That's the only thing that he or she owns. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very well put. Yeah. I like awesome. it. And thank you for a lovely episode. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for listening to Call Conversations on the Business of Brands with Sudeep Chavla and Sharvana Raghavan. Subscribe and learn more at corpcast.net. That's C O B B C A S T.net.